This is Dr. Baliga here. This podcast is on treatment of lung cancer from an outstanding chapter on lung cancer authored by Dr. Mohammad Reza MD who used to be a clinical fellow at Yale University School of Medicine and the senior author is Dr. Scott Gettinger MD who's professor of medicine at Yale University School of Medicine in New Haven, Connecticut. He's a member of the Yale Cancer Center and treats patients with thoracic malignancies including lung cancer, mesothelioma, and thymic malignancies. This outstanding chapter is derived from Baliga's textbook on internal medicine, available at www.mastermedfacts.com. Therapy of non-small cell lung cancer. Three generalized categories can be considered when determining therapy for non-small cell lung cancer. Early stage disease, characterized by a resectable primary tumor with no involved lymph nodes other than ipsilateral intrapulmonary peribronchial or hilar lymph nodes, that is stages 1 and 2. The second category is locally advanced disease, where there is involved mediastinal, subcarinal or supraclavicular lymph node involvement and or invasion of the primary lung lesion into unresectable tissue, this is stage 3. And the third category is advanced disease with pleural, pericardial, or distant metastasis. And this is stage 4 non-small cell lung cancer. The majority of patients present with advanced disease in non-small cell lung cancer. Early stage non-small cell lung cancer, that is stages 1 and 2. Early stage non-small cell lung cancer is generally treated curatively with surgery, Anatomic lung resection, that is lobectomy or pneumonectomy, remains the standard approach versus sublobar resection. And there's been a shift to performing video-assisted surgery, that is VATS or VATS, rather than open thoracotomy if possible, which is associated with less mobility and shorter hospital stays. Studies to date have not suggested any decline in efficacy with VATS compared to open thoracotomy. In patients who are not surgical candidates or refuse lobectomy or pneumonectomy, sublobar resection, external beam irradiation plus or minus concurrent chemotherapy, that is radiation given over six to seven weeks, stereotactic body radiosurgery, generally completed in three to four fractions, or cyber knife could be considered. Pulmonary function tests and quantitative ventilation perfusion scan which estimate function of different portions of each lung can help determine surgical candidacy. Based on encouraging early phase clinical trial data, ongoing clinical trials are currently evaluating efficacy of stereotactic body radiosurgery compared to lobectomy in patients with small primary non-small cell lung cancer without involved lymph nodes. On completion of surgery or radiation, chemotherapy with four cycles of platinum-based doublet chemotherapy is recommended for patients with involvement of ipsilateral, intrapulmonary, peribronchial, or hilar lymph nodes. Five-year survival for patients treated with surgery for node-negative disease is on the order of 60 to 80 percent, and 45 to 55 percent for those with node-positive disease treated with surgery and post-operative 
adjuvant chemotherapy. Treatment of locally advanced non-small cell lung cancer, that's stage 3 disease. Locally advanced non-small cell lung cancer is often divided into potentially resectable and non-resectable disease. There's some controversy about the role of surgery in those with resectable disease, with some arguing a role for induction chemotherapy or chemoradiation, followed by surgery in patients with non-bulky lymph node involvement. Others approach locally advanced disease with curative intent, concurrent chemoradiation alone, as available randomized studies have not clearly established a benefit with adding surgery to concurrent chemoradiation. The primary toxicities of concurrent chemoradiation include fatigue, esophagitis, and pneumonitis, the latter of which may not manifest for up until two months after completing therapy. Early identification of pneumonitis is essential as initiation of steroids may limit the amount of subsequent pulmonary fibrosis. Treatment of advanced non-small cell lung cancer. Treatment of advanced non-small cell lung cancer is guided by performance status, histology, and the presence of activating EJFR mutations or anaplastic lymphokinase rearrangements or ALK rearrangements in tumor specimens. For patients with limited or no smoking history, that is less than 10-pack year history, molecular analysis of tumor tissue is obligatory. Although in practice, most patients have such tumor analysis regardless of smoking history. If the diagnostic specimen from a light or never smoker does not yield enough tissue for molecular analysis, repeat biopsy should be considered as there is roughly a 50% chance of identifying one of these druggable molecular events. If an EGFR mutation or ELK rearrangement is identified, first-line oral therapy with erlotinib, that is an inhibitor of EGFR or chrysotinib, an ELK inhibitor alone is indicated, with high response rates and median progression-free survival of approximately 10 months. In patients whose tumors do not harbor such events, that is 85% of the total non-small cell lung cancer population, first-line therapy consisting of a platinum doublet chemotherapy regimen is associated with a 10 to 12 month median survival and is directed by squamous versus non-squamous cell histology in the presence or absence of significant hemoptysis. In those with squamous cell non-small cell lung cancer, bevacizumab and pemetrexate chemotherapy are contraindicated and secondary to toxicity and lack of efficacy, respectively. Use of bevacizumab has been associated with an increased risk of fatal hemoptysis in patients with squamous cell non-small cell lung cancer and is contraindicated in any patient with non-small cell lung cancer and significant hemoptysis regardless of the histology of non-small cell lung cancer. Salvage chemotherapy or allotinib after progression during or following first-line chemotherapy can be considered as clinical trials have established a survival benefit compared to best supportive care alone with median overall survival of 8 months with second-line systemic therapy. 
choice of particular chemotherapy as initial or salvage therapy is additionally guided by different side effect profiles of individual agents. For example, if a patient depends on fine motor ability, such as a pianist or an abinator, agents such as paclitaxel have a higher risk of peripheral neuropathy and therefore may need to be avoided. Other toxicities which can differ among available chemotherapies include alopecia, fatigue, thrombocytopenia, and neutropenia. Potential complications of chemotherapy include fatigue, muscle aches, nausea, hair loss, peripheral neuropathy, altered taste, oral mucositis, diarrhea, constipation, neutropenia, thrombocytopenia, and anemia. Cisplatin is associated with nausea, nephrotoxicity, autotoxicity, including tinnitus and high-frequency hearing loss and neurotoxicity. Gemcitabine is associated with disseminated intravascular coagulation or DIC but is rare. Erlotinib is associated with rash and diarrhea. Potential complications of thoracic irradiation include fatigue, dysphagia, odynophagia from esophagitis, pneumonitis, myelosuppression, esophageal stricture, tracheoesophageal fistula, pleural effusion, and pericardial effusion. Potential complications of whole brain irradiation include fatigue, hair loss, scalp, burn, risk for neurocognitive deficit increases with time. Potential complications of stereotactic brain radiosurgery include radiation necrosis with associated edema leading to neurological deficits which can develop several months after completing therapy. Treatment of non-small cell lung cancer in the elderly and poor performance status patients can present challenging situations. In general, elderly patients with non-small cell lung cancer should be treated as their younger counterparts with the understanding that the risk of toxicity may be greater. Performance status should be the primary driver of treatment in both elderly and younger patients. Best supportive care alone is generally recommended for patients who are capable of only limited self-care and are confined to bed or chair more than 50% of waking hours. Patients whose performance status is driven by their malignancy rather than comorbidities have a higher chance of benefiting from chemotherapy. Treatment of oligometastatic non-small cell lung cancer. Rarely a patient diagnosed with non-small cell lung cancer can present with one site of distant disease, most commonly in the adrenal or brain. If mediastine involvement is excluded by both PET and CT and mediastinoscopy, aggressive management of both sites can be pursued. Surgery to the primary site and surgery or stereotactic radiosurgery to the metastasis with the expectation of long-term survival in 10 to 20% of the patients. Chemotherapy is recommended in those with the hopes of er eradicating micrometastatic disease. Treatment of small cell lung cancer. The goal of therapy for limited stage small cell lung cancer is cure. Most patients present with bulky hilar or mediastinal adenopathy often with a small primary lung lesion. Treatment is similar to that offered to patients with locally advanced non-small cell lung cancer 
and consists of concurrent chemoradiation with etoposide and cisplatin. On completion of chemoradiation, prophylactic cranial radiation is recommended, which is associated with decreased incidence of brain metastasis and improved overall survival. Current schedule and doses of prophylactic cranial irradiation have been well tolerated with a lower incidence of significant delayed neurocognitive deficits compared to prior strategies employing concurrent chemoradiation, large fraction sizes or higher total doses of radiation. Treatment of extensive stage small cell lung cancer. Considering small cell lung cancer is highly chemosensitive, medical oncologists are generally less averse to treating patients with poor performance status. First-line therapy consists of four to six three-week cycles of etoposide paired with a platinum agent such as carboplatin or cisplatin with the expectation of improvement in clinical and radiographic status. Unfortunately, responses are short-lived with median progression free survival of approximately five to six months. In those who do have evidence of response after at least four cycles of chemotherapy, prophylactic cranial irradiation is generally recommended with a recent study finding decreased incidence of brain metastasis and improvement in overall survival with prophylactic cranial irradiation in such patients. In patients who have response on surveillance lasting at least three months after completing chemotherapy, salvage chemotherapy can be considered on progression. Management of specific complications from lung cancer. Management of brain metastasis. Brain metastasis are common in both non-small cell lung cancer and small cell lung cancer. While whole brain irradiation remains standard of care for small cell lung cancer. There's been a trend to treat patients with non-small cell lung cancer who, who have limited, that is three or less, although some feel comfortable with more, brain metastasis with stereotactic radiosurgery, that is gamma knife or cyber knife radiosurgery. The benefits of such an approach are less potential for delayed neurocognitive deficits and shorter duration of therapy Generally, one-day treatment versus two to three weeks required for whole brain irradiation. However, metastasis not appreciated on MRI scan remain untreated without whole brain irradiation and patients treated with radiosurgery can develop neurological deficit months after treatment from radiation necrosis with edema requiring steroids or, and sometimes surgery. If radiosurgery is pursued, surveillance MRIs are necessary to detect appearance of new metastasis. Patients who have received radiosurgery to brain metastasis can go on to receive whole brain irradiation and vice versa. Initial surgery is occasionally indicated for patients with life-threatening metastatic lesions or if only one brain metastasis is identified. For those with symptomatic brain metastasis, steroids should be initiated immediately. Management of bone metastasis. Bone metastasis can cause significant pain, neurological compromise and fracture. Radiation is indicated for painful lesions and or those causing neurological compromise. Particular attention should be given to lesions in long bones 
for example, femur or humerus, as fracture can be debilitating. If there's cortical breakdown, impending fracture in such bones, prophylactic rods may be indicated. Bisphosphonates are generally prescribed for patients with bone metastasis to decrease the risk of fracture. Management of pleural and pericardial effusion. Malignant pleural effusion that recur despite systemic anti-cancer therapy after initial thoracocentesis can be managed by either mechanical pleurodesis, that is injection of talc of other substance into pleural space after fluorid is drained, or by insertion of a pleurex catheter. The latter approach is associated with less pain but requires drainage at home from weeks to months. If functional pleurodesis is achieved with this approach, the catheter is removed. Management of pericardial effusions. Pericardial effusions refractory to systemic anti-cancer therapy are generally managed successfully with placement of a pericardial window. Management of bronchial obstruction and hemoptysis. Hemoptysis and post-obstructive pneumonia are often encountered in patients with lung cancer. Both thoracic irradiation and endobronchial intervention, example endobronchial debulking of tumor and placement of bronchial stents may alleviate associated symptoms. Management of best supportive care. Vigilant supportive care is paramount to the treatment of patients with lung cancer, particularly in those without curative intent options, where goals of prolonged survival need to be balanced with quality of life. In addition to early psychosocial support, the use of pain medications, antitussives, supplemental oxygen, appetite stimulants, and medications for fatigue are essential in assuring the best quality of life. Surveillance of lung cancer. Surveillance strategies after curative intent therapy for non-small cell lung cancer or small cell lung cancer vary by guideline. The purpose of surveillance is twofold. One, to detect recurrence that, that, that could be potentially treated again with curative intent. Example, in rare cases of mediastinal-only recurrence after lobectomy for early-stage non-small cell lung cancer. And secondly, to detect unrelated secondary primary lung cancers. In general, after curative intent therapy for non-small cell lung cancer, serial history and physical examination and CT chest imaging are recommended every 6 to 12 months for 2 years, followed by annual examination and CT chest. Surveillance CT chest imaging for small cell lung cancer treated curatively is less clear, as there is generally no remaining curative intent options for concurrent chemoradiation. Most oncologists will see such patients every 3 to 4 months with chest imaging for the first 2 years, followed by visits and imaging every 6 to 12 months. When to refer a patient? Initial chest radiography and CT scanning can be done by the primary care physician when there is a suspicion of lung cancer. Follow-up suspicious nodules should involve referral to a pulmonologist unless there is obvious metastatic disease. Biopsy can be done by a pulmonologist, thoracic surgeon or an interventional radiologist. Metastatic disease is appreciated, biopsy of a distant site rather than a primary lesion is preferred if feasible, particularly if there is only one site of metastatic disease. Thoracic surgery referral is indicated when there is no obvious suggestion of distant disease. 
Medical oncologist referral should be made upon diagnosis or strong suspicion of locally advanced or metastatic disease. Multiple choice question. A 67-year-old man undergoes right upper lung lobectomy for stage 2 adenocarcinoma of the lung with two involved peribronchial lymph nodes after presenting with persistent cough. He completes four cycles of chemotherapy followed by CT chest and abdomen showing no evidence of recurrence of disease. Further surveillance includes A. Chest x-ray annually. B. CT every 6 to 12 months for 2 years followed by annual CT chest. C. Chest x-ray every 4 months for 2 years followed by annual CT chest. D. PET or CT every 4 months for 2 years followed by annual PET or CT. E. CT every 3 months for 2 years followed by annual PET imaging. The answer is B. CT every 6 to 12 months for 2 years followed by annual CT chest. On completion of curative intent therapy for non-small cell lung cancer, history and physical examination and surveillance of CT chest plus or minus intravenous contrast is recommended every 6 to 12 months for 2 years. After 2 years, annual history and physical and CT chest without contrast is recommended. Additional efforts should be focused on smoking cessation. This is the third out of four podcasts on lung cancer derived from an outstanding chapter written by Dr. Mohamed Reza, MD and Dr. Scott Gettinger, MD from Yale University School of Medicine. This outstanding chapter on lung cancer is published in Baliga's textbook of internal medicine with 1480 multiple choice questions available at www.mastermedfacts.com.